we get to taste the best on a Sunday. Amen? Amen. Come on now. We need to remind ourselves that our results, we're not defined by what happened yesterday. We're defined by what happened 2,000 years ago. That Jesus Christ went and he died for us and he's risen, risen again. And if he's risen, that means that we are alive too. It's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. And so we don't stand on the back foot this morning. Uh, even though the Springboks lost, we stand on the front foot because we are the living church. And uh, I love the fact that there's a big crowd in this morning. I love crowds because maybe you've arrived a little bit tired and frustrated, but there's something about being in a crowd because let, the, let those who have some faith this morning stir your faith. Let, if you're feeling tired and weary, let that somebody else stir you this morning because when you're in the crowd, guess what? Christ begins to speak. And he speaks individually into our hearts. And so I don't know what your weeks look like, but you might have tried the rest, but taste the best this morning. Amen? The best food is on offer this morning because it's the Bible. And uh, we've reminded ourselves in this season that, you know, it, when we read the word and you hear the stirring of the spirit and the wind begins to blow, something changes from the inside out. I love the gospel because it always changes us from the inside, not outside in. And I love that because it starts with getting deep into our hearts. And I pray today that we're going to continue to look at God's Word, but it's going to stir something on the inside. And uh, uh, Dill spoke about it last week, and I think uh, we traveled and we went to Israel. And uh, I hadn't been there. I first went there when I was 18 years old. I went on a kibbutz there. And uh, that was BC. <laughs> anyway, but it was, it, I, didn't, I didn't see what I saw in full color. I saw it in black and white. And maybe you've arrived this morning and you're also trying to find a little bit more about faith. You know, you've heard about Jesus. Someone invited you to church. I hope there are a couple of you today because I want to tell you, you know what, friends, God has a colorful life for you. You might be seeing in black and white night now, but there's so much more because we're going to taste the best today. And I remember going to Israel and we went this last time. What a privilege it is, firstly, just to say to travel to Israel, uh, a privilege to get to be in the Holy Land. But as Dill said last week, I think one thing happens for us. It assures us of the story of God. Yes, there are many things. You know what? Jesus is just alive as there as he is today, right here. He is, all, he is ever present. He is with us. But there's something about when you get on that land, it assures you of a bigger story. The story started long ago, and it's going to go on long after us. But we are part of God's divine story and for his glory. And you know, I think when I looked around at the Jewish people, one thing stood out for me, they know who they are. They know who they are. There are cranes in Tel Aviv, Eilat, and Jerusalem. They're building and building and building. You know why? Because you only build when you know who you are. Could it be, and I wanna pull that back to our faith. Could it be that we don't build or we don't get active and that we question our activity, but it was never about your activity, it's your identity. Because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And I think the challenge in life sometimes is we're not sure what to do. And we look around at our results and our actions, but it's never been about that. It's been getting back to who you are because God wants to get in you before he wants to do something for you. It's all about your identity before your activity. Okay, so they appreciate this side. How are you guys doing here? There, there is a sense that God wants to stir us from the inside because that's what the gospel does. Um, you know, I think sometimes we, we want to change our environments. The grass is greener on the other side. Next thing, New Zealand's looking better because they won. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or Maritzburg's better. Oh, I love Maritzburg. Anyway, so something's better. You always think if I move here, if I get a different career, if I try that new job, it's always gonna get better. But then you realize after, after a long time of doing it, you realize it was never about the environment. It was about what you carried. Because I can be grumpy in Amklali, but then I can be grumpy in Maritzburg too. You know what I'm saying? Because it was never about your circumstances, what God had on the inside. 
And Link Church, God wants to get on the inside. We're in our series called The Finest Hour, and our thought is this. It's, it's the tagline. It's convictions of a spirit-filled believer. Do you see that? Convictions. It's what's on the inside. Convictions of a spirit-filled believer. And the finest hour, remember from the movie Apollo 13, where the guy got up and said, excuse me, sir, this could be our finest hour. It almost goes against the, the, the world and what culture stands for. It almost goes against what people might say. But today, God wants to remind us that this could be our finest hour. Just a heads up, not because we're strong, but because He's strong. Not because he's gonna, we're going to make a way because He's already made a way for us. He is faithful. He is true. He is steadfast. And when you tap into His story, we live for His glory. Amen? And today, I want to go to a, a scripture that's in John chapter 5. And we actually got to go there in Israel, and it's a story and a sign. And uh, really what I want to do is I want to give you some context, and then I'm going to look at three areas that stood out for me speaking into identity. Um, I think identity is, is important because identity ensues your motivations, your motivations, your actions, and your actions, your results. And what I said earlier, often we're trying to d decide on our results, but we need to pull back and realize that our results are dependent upon our actions, our actions, our motivations, but we get right back to the root. It's who we are that really counts. And so John deals with this in this story, but I, what I love about the apostle John, if you'd ever known about him, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, he was the closest disciple, Peter, James, and John, but John wrote in his gospel, he said, no, I'm his favorite. I love John. John, John was like, no, Jesus loves me the most. I think sometimes we need to get that kind of faith in our heart. I'm not just part of Jesus. Jesus is, I'm his favorite son. John is different from the other gospels. Dill mentioned last week, we had Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're the synoptic gospels. Synoptic in Greek means they're similar. But John wrote much later, he was in Turkey. John, interestingly, was the only disciple that wasn't martyred for his faith. He lived to old age. Legend has it, he was part of a little church in Turkey. He wrote the gospel, but every Sunday he would sit around at the back there and they'd wheel him through in his wheelchair. And the guy, the pastor, would say, John, you're the apostle, give us some revelation. John would grab the mic and he'd say, love one another just as Christ has loved us. And then they wheel him back next Sunday. John, give us another word. And they bring him up. John, you got, you got revelation, John. Tell us again, John. Love one another, just as Christ has loved the church. I'm sure the pastors, give us more, John. No, that's it. Because when you know that Christ loves you, you'll love one another. And by your love, the world will know that God's alive. Love one another. Now, 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 John, he writes this, but he writes it differently. And what he does is he includes some signs and miracles. Now, we think miracles include seven. But when he spoke about a miracle, he spoke about a sign. What does a sign do? A sign points to something beyond ourselves. If you go down the R1 and 2, you're going to find a sign saying Great Town. When you come from Maritzburg past Wartburg, you're going to find a sign saying Great Town. You know what that's doing? It's pointing to something beyond itself. When you get to Great Town, there are no more Great Town signs because you're in Great Town. Now, John writes this sign. John writes this miracle. We're going to look at the miracle, but I want to look at the sign because this story points to something beyond you and I. And when you get a glimpse of what is beyond you and I, it changes you from the inside out. Are you ready to read? John chapter 5, let's go. And it's, it's the healing at the pool. And it says this, verse 5, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. I love that thought. Jesus was actually honoring uh, the Passover moment. It was the Feast of Tabernacles and he was on his way up to Jerusalem. When we follow Jesus, we're always gonna go up. And it says, now there is, is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Beth Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. 
I've got a picture here, if the team could help me. Um, I've got a picture of this pool. We actually walked in there uh, this lot when we were in Israel. Um, there it is there. And you can see the ruins there. Uh, but what I want to say to you first and foremost is that Jesus walks through the sheep gate. Now, the sheep gate was where they used to take the lambs through to go and be sacrificed in the temple. And Jesus walks through the sheep gate. And if you walk through it, you, there's almost the Via de la Rosa, which goes in front of you, this narrow street. And if Jesus was going to the Feast of Tabernacles, he was going to the temple. So he would have walked straight. But this time, he went on a detour. He didn't stumble upon it. He went towards this pool in Aramaic, which is called Bethesda. The Bethesda in Hebrew means, Beth means house, Esther means grace, a house of grace. In Aramaic, it means a house of mercy. In English, it means a house of kindness. Do you not see this? It was crowds were gathered. This is the church. This is you and I. We are the house of grace. We are the house of mercy. We are the house of kindness. There was a porch around it and a pool. A porch and a pool. But hundreds of people gathered there. And Jesus doesn't just stumble upon it. He intentionally goes there. Jesus doesn't stumble upon you today. He intentionally comes to reach your heart. John chapter five, and let's carry on reading. It says, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. I love this sort. Order is important. Blind, lame, paralyzed. Blind, you can't see. Maybe you're lacking a bit of vision this morning. Maybe you're just blinded by something that's happened in your life. The lame, it's withered. Maybe your faith's been a little bit withered over these last couple of weeks. You're unsure of life. You feel like I'm lacking strength. Or maybe they're paralyzed. To be paralyzed means you can't work. You've got no purpose. Maybe today you've arrived in the house of mercy, in the house of grace. And all you need is your eyes to be opened up again. You see how the church does it? The church starts with the works at the end. Try and sort your life out. Follow these three steps. But the gospel always starts with our eyes. The blind first. You see the order? The blind, the withered, the purpose. God wants to start with your eyes today, the eyes of your heart. And then he said, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? He has a man that's been there for a very long time. And I don't know what you've gone through in the last while, but maybe you've been in a situation for a long time. When I, when I speak today, I want to speak about this thought around identity, but I want to ask you just for a moment to bring an issue maybe to mind in your life. Maybe you've been in something for a long time. Maybe it's a, an emotional thing. It's been in a relational thing. Maybe, maybe, for, maybe it's your marriage for the moment. Perhaps it's a friendship. Uh, perhaps it's something physical. Perhaps it's an addiction. You see, with all these issues, what we do is we haven't dealt with it. We just learn to cope with it in our lives. Here was a man that would be an invalid lying on a mat for 38 years. He hadn't dealt with it. He had just learned to cope with it. Isn't it so true in our lives sometimes? We, we don't deal with things. We just learn to cope with them. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe you get quite angry. And you're like, you know, I get angry. I get angry. But I haven't dealt with it. I've just learned to cope with it. Jesus is here this morning. And when he says, do you want to get well? He's not just talking about physical healing. He wants to get in your heart and set you free from every issue in your life. 
He doesn't want you to be, salvation is not my ticket to heaven. It's for him come in my heart and set me free today. Set me free today. There's some of us here today that have been dealing with something that's gone on for years and years and years. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, he stands today in the house of mercy and he says, come to me and I'll take that issue and you'll never deal with it again. Do you want to get well? You know, just straight up, when I look at that question, I say, Jesus, that's a pretty stupid question to a guy who's been lying there for 38 years. You know, obviously he wants to get well. Be like asking our Springboks if we like to bribe before the rugby. Of course. You know? Be like someone who asks, like, do I have, do I like, I like having pup with my voice. Of course. You know? Do South Africans like to say lacquer? Of course. We all want to get well. He, do you want to get well? But you see, we think Jesus needs to know the answer. Jesus already knows the answer. The, the question is not for him, it's for us. He's asking, whenever Jesus asks a question, it's not for him whether he doesn't know. He wants us to see the condition of which we find ourselves. Sometimes Jesus has to come into our heart and expose where we are so we can move forward. Do you want to get well? Now watch this. He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who'd been healed in the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. Oh, you know, religious people always look for an out. And then he said, he said, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, the man who made me well said to me, it's not what the world says, it's not what culture says, it's what Jesus says to me. It's what Jesus says over my life that counts. Pick up your mat and walk. And I feel like today God wants to remind some people, it's not what your past says, it's not what the future says, it's what Jesus says over you and our lives. And as far as I remember, he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who's this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? I like that, who's the fellow? The man who was healed had no idea who he was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple. Look at the grace of Jesus. He comes and finds him again, and he says to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. I've got three ideas around identity today. Three ideas I think that God wants to remind us today. Convictions of a spirit-filled believer. The man's on the mat for a long time. There was an issue before him, but Jesus is here, and he came to see him, and he says, get up and pick up your mat and walk. Number one, if you're taking note, it's the magnet of the mat. The magnet of the mat. I've got a little mat up here. I'm just going to roll it out. There we go. We'll pretend like we're on the mat. There we are. And, uh, and I want to, just three things around this. You see, the mat, there's a magnet to our mat. There is something about that keeps us on the mat. This guy's been there for a long time, 38 years. But you know what keeps us on a mat in life? You know what keeps us in this place? Sometimes it's being part of a powerless community. It's being part of a community. You know, I don't know about you. It, it, it happens in the church, but it happens more also in the world. We get people that hang together. You know, misery likes to keep a company. You know, you know like we just lost to the All Blacks. So you get all the people after church. You get a little group about the All Blacks, you know. All the South Africans, you know. Hey, Russi's terrible. Jacques Nienoma. Hey, we must stay. All I can say is thank you, God, for Lakanya Um. Anyway, so, 
So, so you know what I'm saying? We, misery likes to keep company. And those people, you know, those self-pity people, they get together and they're like, and then you've got the negative crew, you know what I'm saying? And then you've got the end times crew. Anyone? Okay. So, so I'm, anyway, but I, you know, you get the crews that hang together because now I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You see, the people, you see, you see, they were collected by blind, paralyzed, and withered. That was the crowd that was there. Could it be that what, what the surroundings kept that man on the mat? You see, let me tell you something about this kind of community. You know what it does? This community affirms you. Hey, don't worry, my buddy. Everything's going to be fine. But my friends, the gospel didn't just come to affirm you, it came to transform you. One, one community, one community is going to keep you in. Another community is going to get you out. One community is going to hold on and go, oh, don't worry, you just keep, oh, mm, mm. everything's going to be fine. I, I, look, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to affirm. That's our starting point. We are sympathetic and empathetic, but the gospel was never designed to keep you down here on the mat. He said, get up and walk. You, the, the gospel says we're called to grow. There's something that transforms us from the inside out. If I'm still hanging on the same mat that I was 28 years ago, and some of you say, well, it's been too long. Well, look, 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 30, you don't know what they did to me. You know what someone said to me. Listen, but I, all I want to tell you is 38 years is too long. It's too long to go on that word that your father said over you. It's too long to go on that word that the teacher said you'll never make it. It's too long to look at the world and what they say of you. Stop looking at what the world says of you. Turn to Jesus. He has another word for you. I'm stepping off the mat. Does anyone want to get up today? Get up. Oh, JMO. Maverick City. Have you heard the song Maverick City? From get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Jamie and I have been singing that. He says, hey, he says, I lift you up. I turned you around. I put your feet on solid ground. You changed my name. You healed my past. Forever free. I'm not the same. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Come on. God, we're getting up out the grave. Now, 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 watch this, watch this. It's, it's not just a community, listen. Listen, it's a, it's a mentality. Look at his, verse seven, he says, Jesus says, do you wanna work, get well? He says, oh, but sir, there's no one else to take me to the pool. And then when I get near the pool, someone else got in first. And, and you know what? You know what that mentality is. You know what happens with a victim mentality, a powerless mentality. It's 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 this issue. This is what it is. It's like somebody else put me in this issue. Now somebody else must save me from this issue. You know what that is? That's like living in a prison without bars. Because you're waiting for someone to come and save you that never saved you before. And you're waiting for someone to rescue you. I'm waiting for the government for my house. I'm waiting for someone to sort. I'm waiting for my dad to do something for you. No, 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 no. You have everything you need for godliness. You have everything you need. There's a, there's a, but, but there's a magnet that keeps us on this mat. But Jesus Christ came to shape it and change it for you forever. Do you want to be healed? Your healing stops when you stop blaming. That might help someone here today. When you stop blaming your sister and your father and your friend and that business and that church and that pastor, stop blaming and start being healed. Start being healed in Jesus' name. Now, now 
you know, you've got a community that holds you back sometimes and they affirm you, but the gospel wants to transform you. Be part of the change and say, guys, we're in a group together, but let's help us get up. The other was my mentality. Oh, you know, but you know what the Bible says that anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's new, it started fresh. I can change my thinking. The Bible says you renew your mind by the gospel. Lastly, one more thing that keeps us on this mat is, you know what often happens? Is our issue becomes our identity. Now, now, now if you think of it, remember, this man didn't have a name. He didn't have an identity. I like how Ray Bevan once shared with us as a staff team. He said, could it be, do you know that Eve wasn't named Eve until after the fall? She was just a woman before the fall. Could it be that the devil went at her because she wasn't sure of who she was? And so, and so only afterwards, Adam names Eve. But before that, she didn't have a name. And what often happens is we're not sure of who we are. It opens the window for many people to come tell you who you are. Your issue becomes who you are. And so what happens is my issue becomes my identity. Let me tell you how this works. You know, if you've got a problem with alcohol you, you, and, 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 and you're an alcoholic, what you do is you say, you don't say I have an alcohol problem. What you say is I am an alcoholic. Or you failed in something. You failed in business or you failed in your marriage. I don't know what it looks like. You failed and you, you don't say I failed in, in this. You say, no, I am a failure. Do you see it? The issue becomes your identity. But I've come to tell you today that you are not your issue. You are not your past. You are not your addiction. You are not who the world says you are. You are who Jesus says you are. And, and I wanted to read this for you for a moment because I just, this is what stood up, the title of my message, I got too late for that. Anyway, is this, is this, it was this conviction. And I just wanna read these over you because I wrote these down and I wanted to read this. And another team's coming up, but I wanted to read this. You know what stirred this man? He had a conviction. He said, that man said. Not, 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 not what I felt. No, that man said. Listen, friends, it's only Jesus who can tell you who you are. Now watch, watch this. It, it, it says this in the New Testament. I looked at it. What, what, what does Jesus say we are? I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. And I want this to get, try it. Lord, I pray this gets deep into our heart. You know what Jesus says you are? He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a child of God. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation. You are reconciled to God. You are a saint. You are holy and dearly loved. You are born of God. You are justified, completely forgiven and set free. You have received the spirit of God. You are valuable. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You are now with Christ. You've been given the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. You are royalty and have an eternal inheritance. And you are loved by God. Loved, known, and valued. Only Jesus tells you who you are. Look at me for a moment. What the devil wants to do is to remind you of your scars. What Jesus wants to do is to remind you of his. 
His scars, what He did on the cross. You know, we went, uh, I want one more picture. It's of the empty tomb, the garden tomb. You know, Jesus, you know what He did in, 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 in this? He went through the sheep gate. One final time, Jesus Christ went through the sheep gate. Where all the lambs would go, the Lamb of God would walk through that gate. And he carried his cross. Someone helped him. He was, he was beaten. He had a crown of thorns and he walked up the Via Della Rosa. And then he went out through the gate and the Romans crucified him on the, on the, on the road just outside the Jerusalem. And right behind him was a place called Golgotha. And there lies the garden tomb. And it says that Jesus' body was put in that borrowed grave and it was, the stone was put aside. But that was Friday. And we know that Sunday things changed. And they pulled back the stone and guess what? When you walk in that tomb today, if you can put it back up, guess what? It's empty. It's, we didn't find anything. Someone asked, are his bones there? No, they're not. There's nothing left. He's gone. He's risen. But there's one thing that's written on this wall. And they discovered it. Do you see that sign? The cross. It's in red because it signifies his blood and what he did for you and I. And you know what the words are written on there? Jesus Christos on the top. Alpha and Omega on the bottom. Jesus Christos, Savior and Lord. Alpha and Omega. It means that He knows the beginning from the end. That we need not strive for stress because God has it covered. We are saved, set free because of what happened on the cross that day. Do you know that on that day when He, when he on the cross, when He died and He went up on the cross, you know what happened that moment? because lambs used to be slaughtered and the blood would fall down into the Kidron Valley. On that day, there was an earthquake on that Friday and that earthquake burst open. You know what began to flow? A living spring of water. No longer flows, blood no longer flows in the Kidron Valley because no lamb needed to be slaughtered again because the ultimate lamb was slaughtered for you and I. But now there's living water that flows through the Kidron Valley. You and I have access to the living water. I wanna close with this, just one thought. You know, I haven't traveled for a while and because uh, of COVID and everything. But you know, Tash, you know, when you travel, you can have all the suitcases. You can have everything. You can have, hey, you can have the moon bag if you want. You can go to Israel with your Jesus sandals. You can do all that. You can, you, and you know when you arrive at Tel Aviv, the officials, they don't ask you, you know, how much money you got in your bank account. They don't ask you like, hey, how many children you have. They don't ask you whether you're going to invest in their country. You know, they ask you, they ask you, can you show me your passport? They want to know who you are because who you are will determine what you're going to do there. That's all you need. I once traveled 30 years ago with a Northern Irishman in Israel. He joined me on kibbutz. When he left, he had everything stolen from him in Egypt. His moon bag, his credit cards, everything. He came to Tel Aviv airport. All he had was his Jesus sandals, a pair of baggies I'd lent him and a vest that had been sticking to him for the last six days. But you know what he had in his pocket? His Northern Irish passport. When you know who you are, it'll take you home. When you know who you are, God will do what He said He would. When you know who you are, when you have it inside of you, He changes everything. I carry a passport. Do you know what it says in my passport? It says surname Slevin, first name Mark. Nationality South African. It's got my date of birth. But you know what? We've been given a passport to heaven. My name is Mark. My surname is Levin. My date of birth is now relevant because my 
born again date is the 17th of June, 1996. My nationality is irrelevant because I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm going home with my father. You know, some of you know that my dad passed away a couple of months ago. And I just want to close with this. And uh, it was six weeks from diagnosis. So he was diagnosed and the oncologist said, I've never seen cancer like this before. And to be honest, my dad was pretty shocked. And so were we. And if I had to ask my dad, do you want to get well? I think we all prayed. Jesus, would you heal my dad? And I know my dad prayed that too. But you know, two days before it got really worse, two days before he did say goodnight, we got a care in for him. And her name was Joy. As a family, we said, Joy comes in the morning. Joy spent two mornings with my dad. The first morning she had a conversation. And the second morning, she was the only person in the room when he breathed out his last. And you know what I prayed? I said, Jesus, where are you in the moment? And when I look back, joy was with my dad. I believe in angels. Angels, the Bible say, come in human form. Jesus was my dad in his last moments. But I want you to backtrack to their first conversation. My dad was in the room and I actually got to record it. And he sat there and he looked across and he fixed eyes on joy. He adjusted his glasses on his bed and he said, Joy, you know what? He said, I believe in Jesus. I know my heavenly father and I believe he'll heal me. But even if he doesn't, he has. Even if he doesn't, he has. And you know what he said? My destination is his destination. My dad, the next day, breathed out his last and he used his passport for one more time. But his passport wasn't an earthly one. It's because his name was written in the Lamb's book of life. His name was written. Friends, stop looking for something you've ever been given. God's given you identity when you were saved. You've been saved, set free, justified, sanctified, blessed His grace over your life. Now, can I ask you, will you get up? Will you roll up your mat? And will you walk like heaven's on your side?